It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, September 13th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. An invasive isopod is on the move in Alaska, having been discovered now in both Ketchikan and Sitka. But the organism affects only one creature, the blue mud shrimp. If you've never heard of the blue mud shrimp, then this invasive isopod probably isn't a concern of yours. But it should be. KCAW's Robert Woolsey explains why. I don't know what you were doing at 6.45 a.m. on Labor Day, but I was out at Stargavin Beach in Sitka at a minus tide digging for blue mud shrimp. You know, it reminds me of the first few times I went fishing before I really knew how to fish. It's like, could this possibly produce results? I've lived in southeast Alaska my whole adult life and never even heard of blue mud shrimp until I got an email from Karen Johnson, a local naturalist in Sitka and a member of the local Fish and Game Advisory Committee. She's brought along this pump made from plastic pipe, sort of an oversized version of something you might use to pump the bilge in your skiff. Is this homemade? Uh, I tried making them in mine. Johnson heard about the blue mud shrimp by way of Dr. John Chapman, a fisheries professor at Oregon State University. Chapman is why Karen Johnson and I are up at dawn digging for an invertebrate that no one has really paid much attention to up here until now. Think of it more like you're in a coal mine and the canary just died. The isopod is called Ortheone graphenis, or O. graphenis, and it finds its way up under the carapace of an adult blue mud shrimp, and only blue mud shrimp. And although it's a parasite, Chapman says O. graphenis is far from microscopic. So in the head, there's a huge bulge on the side that if it were scaled up to be your size and my size, that'd be like having a little dog or a big cat under your armpit sucking your blood. The isopod eventually kills its host shrimp, and eventually the remaining shrimp can't find each other to reproduce, rendering a blue mud shrimp population extinct. This is already happening in coastal areas of California, Oregon, and Washington, and now Ogrefenis is in Alaska, in what could be the largest infestation yet discovered. Tammy Davis is the Invasive Species Coordinator for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game in Juneau, Like many of us, she hadn't been concerned about blue mud shrimp until she met John Chapman, but now she's concerned. They're really important for uh, kind of circulating nutrients and oxygen in the sandy substrates or, you know, where they're established. Similar, I think it's kind of compared to the same role that earthworms play in gardens. In this case, the garden is the inner tidal zone, which Chapman considers to be as full of life as an ocean reef, except upside down. Blue mud shrimp play a critical role in this environment, most of the time invisible to us, unless you've got a shovel. Karen Johnson and I have spent over an hour sinking holes all over this beach, and finally we hit pay dirt. There we go. Got one. Johnson is standing in a hole about three feet wide and over a foot deep. In her hand, she has our quarry, a blue mud shrimp. This one is a juvenile, maybe two inches long. No parasite is present, 
but Johnson pops it into a specimen bottle anyway. Yeah. Are you going to mail it off to him at OSU? Um, yeah, I have a few I have to send down when he's ready. Okay. John Chapman and his research team don't just want to study the isopod Ogryphenus. They want to understand the mechanism of its arrival in North America in ships' ballast water from Asia and how it travels in its larval stage between intermediate hosts to finally find blue mud shrimp in Ketchikan and in Sitka. And then Chapman wants to kill it. This is an introduction that if we can stay on top of it, we might find out how this thing works. And then if we do that, of course, we're going to throw wrenches in all the gears we can find. Humans are excellent at causing extinctions. Why don't we cause the extinction of something that's bad? Helping to cause the extinction of a cat-sized blood-sucking parasite, which is threatening an obscure shrimp critical to the health of our ecosystem? That's worth getting up early for. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Sitka's COVID dashboard underwent a makeover recently. Now Sitkins have less information than they used to about how the coronavirus is playing out in the community. KCAW's Catherine Rose spoke with local and state officials to try to understand the changes and discrepancies in the numbers. If you check Sitka's COVID stats regularly, you may have noticed the city's COVID dashboard, where local coronavirus case data has been reported since the early months of the pandemic, changed on September 1st. We didn't make one change. We made quite a number of changes. Fire Chief Craig Warren says the changes are substantial. The city used to publish individual case information, like the sex and age of each new case, whether the person was experiencing symptoms, and how they likely contracted the virus. And the number of active cases is no longer available. Warren says the state has stopped providing that information to the city, and not everyone is happy about it. And I'm, I'm trying to get this out to the community so that uh, maybe my phone will ring a few less times. I am I'm, I'm really trying to uh, help people understand that we have not ever had numbers that were ours. We don't go do testing. We don't do contact tracing. All of the numbers in the old dashboard were the information that was shared to us by uh, the section of epidemiology and public health. Warren says the information is missing not because the city's EOC doesn't want to share it. He says they don't have access anymore. And they have decided that they're not going to share the information that we used to have. Uh, Instead, they are only going to give us the information we are now showing on the new dashboard, which is uh, new cases each day. We lost all all of that information not because we get it and don't want to show it, but because we truly no longer have it. The city also shifted to tracking cases over a seven-day period instead of a 14-day period. This method aligns with the Centers for Disease Control and Preventions and the state's methods for tracking cases and determining a community's risk level. Now, in order to be in low alert, Sitka must report zero cases over a seven-day period. Sitka shifts into high alert when nine or more cases have been reported in a week. We get a few cases on one day. It's going to be a, a 
quicker uptrend, but we dropped those few cases in seven days rather than 14 days, so it's going to be a quicker downtrend also. So we could see quite a bit more bumps, but it's not going to be, uh, the average will be very similar. Warren says while the city is not currently tracking non-resident data on the local dashboard, those numbers do count towards Sitka's case rate that determines the community alert level. KCAW reached out to the Department of Health and Social Services for clarification on why the data reporting changed. In an email, communications manager Elizabeth Manning says it's a capacity issue. Due to the recent surge in cases, public nursing staff are spread thin. DHSS has directed public health nurses to focus on vaccination efforts, contact tracing, and other COVID response work. Manning wrote that public health nurses still work with community EOCs to provide data as they are able to, but this assistance may be limited given increasing demands on staff due to the surge in cases. But the lack of individual case data isn't the only change to Sitka's COVID dashboard. When the city's dashboard changed on September 1st, the total number of resident cases dropped by around 60, realigning with the numbers reported on the state's website. The state's case count has been lower than what Sitka was reporting for over a year. Over the course of the pandemic, the discrepancies between state and local COVID numbers have been attributed to reporting lags. Manning says it's unclear why Sitka's local case count differed from the state's, but it's not that unusual. She says the state's reporting lag may still be a factor, along with permanent residency status of some Sitka cases and how cases reported by search were folded into the city's COVID dashboard. Manning says the state's numbers have remained consistent throughout the pandemic and haven't been subject to any dramatic changes. Warren says he was unaware of the discrepancy between the state's numbers and the city's before they were reconciled on September 1st, and says he'll investigate the discrepancy. We really do not want to hide numbers. Right from the get-go, the EOC had said we want to show as much transparency as possible. We would like to have... uh, as much uh, conversation with the community as we can. And that was kind of the whole crux for the uh, dashboard was so that it was one easy place where everybody could go to get the same information. But we definitely want the information to be as accurate as possible. One data trend Warren hopes will continue, Sitka's decreasing COVID case rate. While cases continue to surge across the state, Sitka has been reporting fewer numbers over the last couple of weeks. The community will remain in high alert until health officials report fewer than nine cases over a seven-day period. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.